Hey, everybody. Welcome to Match of the Year podcast. I'm your host, Christopher J. Garcia. Today, we're talking about the only Lucha match ever to win Match of the Year in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And that's Atlantis versus Viano 3 from the year 2000. There's some myths about Lucha I should first go about dispelling because they sort of permeate how Americans see Lucha Libre. The first is that luchadors are all tiny. This is not true. Some of the biggest draws, in fact, I would say number two, number three, and number five, were all heavyweights. And heavyweights are really what lucha has been based around. And part of the reason for that is another myth that needs to be dispelled, that lucha isn't really about flying. And now I know this completely blows your mind because you think, well, you know, it's all about, you know, the cruiser weights or welterweights or whatever you call them. And how they do all the flippy stuff. Not necessarily true. Uh, for years, your biggest draws were folks like Mills Moscross, who, yeah, did some flying, but was a big guy and did a lot of ground-based stuff, too. And particularly if you look at things like his head scissors, for example. Uh, El Kanek, huge star, really changed the landscape of Lucha Libre for years. The whole concept is that Lucha isn't necessarily flying, but it has de-emphasized what we call the flat back bump. Uh, and the reason for that is that lucha rings are cheaper and don't have as much spring, or at least traditionally didn't. So they developed doing dives to the outside. Uh, if you look at how um, moves are taken uh, where we would see a flat back bump, typically you'll see roll bumps. And this is a really interesting, really interesting difference between uh, American traditional style wrestling and Lucha Libre. But it's traditionally sub more submission-based. Also, they don't tap out. I think nowadays some have started tapping out, but traditionally it's hand-flapping instead of uh, you're tapping out. Most big Lucha Libre matches have been two out of three falls. Uh, that's a big difference from American wrestling. This one, this one Atlantis versus Viano 3, is not... It's actually a one-fall match, and that is a very interesting difference. The other myth that needs to be dispelled is that the biggest drawing, or the most typical thing, is trios matches. This is now more or less true. Uh, that really started in the 1980s. Uh, the Misioneros del Morte, I think, are the group that really popularized it. Uh, UWA really jumped on that and uh, made it their big thing. But La Empresa, YMLL... Uh, which is now CMLL, a uh, little bit slower to make it sort of their focus, but they certainly did. And uh, when AAA came around in the early 90s, that changed everything, and trios was definitely a focus there. So what we're about to see is a match between two heavyweights, Atlantis, who's been around for ages and is one of their biggest stars, and Viano 3, who is the middle son, I believe, of a huge wrestling family, the Mendoza family. And there had been Viano 1, Viano 2, uh, and then later on, Viano 4, Viano 5. Uh, I think they were the generation after. I think one was a cousin and one was a nephew. One was a cousin and one was like a nephew or something of one of them. I'm not entirely sure about the family tree, but the patriarch of that family is Ray Mendoza. And Viano 3 was the biggest, not only the biggest star of the entire family, uh, Mendoza might be too. Uh, Ray Mendoza might be. But 
was the best worker of all of them. And so he had this mystique about him, and he's won lots of mask versus match matches. The biggest match in Lucha Libre is the bet match. And that's... Uh, you can be a wrestler who puts up your hair. You can be a wrestler who is masked, who puts up his mask, which is probably the biggest of them. Uh, you actually get a big payday for taking off your mask because they have a commission that makes sure that you don't go back and put on your mask again. Uh, there are ways around it, uh, but that's the traditional way. Uh, sometimes it's the loser must retire. Uh, one of the most famous bet matches is uh, Pero Aguayo putting up his hair versus, I want to say it was Conan is who he was facing, and Jake the Snake Robert came in and cost uh, Paraguayo the match. I haven't honestly seen it. It's one of those uh, Lucha Legend matches to me that I've never actually watched. Uh, and I hadn't actually watched this one until this week. Here's two things that are very interesting about this match. One, the crowd heat is insane. I have seen some crazy crowds. I've been in some crazy crowds. Nothing compared to this. This is just ridiculously hot. Everything they do gets a response. Bam, bam, bam. Beautifully done. Two, they're working a style that is lucha heavyweight. That still has... There's a great moment, actually, uh, where Viano 3 knocks Atlantis out of the ring and then does a... Uh, Tope Suicida, which is a head-first dive, and they actually connect foreheads. It looked brutal, and they both came out bleeding. Great, intense spot. The mask is important for a number of reasons, and two of them, I should, I should point out another myth, is that the mask is super important to the Mexican culture that was then adopted into Lucha Libre, and there are lots of sort of academic reasons people would cite. Uh, one of the classic being that, you know, the Aztecs had these masked dancers, and when they, uh, when they would put on the mask, they would assume the role of the god and actually take on his powers. Maybe that's in the collective subconscious, but really, it is the tradition of masked wrestlers that made the mask so important. And, uh, if El Santo hadn't have put on the mask, if Blue Demon had, I'm sorry, Demon Azul hadn't put on the mask, actually he's called Blue Demon out there, uh, the mask wouldn't be that important. And that's a really strange thing. Mask wrestling also didn't start in Mexico. Mask wrestling goes back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, there's a story of, of a guy called the Masked Wrestler in Paris at a tournament. Uh, there was a wrestler in the 20s in a tournament in the U.S., I believe at Madison Square Garden. Mass wrestling isn't Mexican. And one of the reasons that it came was that a mass wrestler came over with the American uh, tours in the early part of the 20th century. The match is, is good. It's solid. It's strong. It is not what you expect. It is not Rey Mysterio versus Psicosis. It is not uh, any of the sort of matches we sort of expect, if you've watched any uh, uh, X Division in TNA, or any of the sort of flyers uh, like Michinoku Pro, we have this idea of what a lucha match is, and it's not really what a lucha match means. It's much more submission oriented. You see, uh, I think there are only like 
maybe three things you could call flying spots in this match. Maybe three. But, and there are some decent bumps too. But there are so many little things. Like how uh, when one wrestler goes off the ropes, he might run into the other wrestler who then jumps back. Instead of doing a bump down, might jump back as if he's been stunned and pushed back a little. It's a neat little spot, and you see it all over the place in Lucha. Uh, and here, when that happens, the crowd actually gave a, a... Oh! The crowd is insane. They really are. That They make this match so much. And it reminds me of another match of the year winner, John Cena versus CM Punk, in how a crowd can take a match that might not be technically perfect and play with the the players within that match so well that they go forward and they make this incredible something. Viano 3 does the job, loses the mask. Uh, that ensured him a great payday. And that was not expected. There's such a tradition of the Vianos going back, and I mean, he'd been doing it for 20-something years at that point. He was 47, I think. When you lose a mask, several things happen. Right away, they come to the ring and you have to state your name, how long you've been a pro, and you have to show your face. So you can't cover it with hair. And he did all of that, and the crowd is just dying. They're, they do a couple close-ups of people in the audience with tears in their eyes. Beautiful stuff. And he brings in the whole the whole Viano family, I think, is there. Uh, and he's got his... He's holding his son, uh, who I'm hoping will be Viano 6. Um, and it's a very emotional scene. I don't speak Spanish, but I could tell that there was so much emotion going on. And Atlantis actually, I think, comes back afterwards and shakes his hand. What also typically happens after someone loses their mask... Unless they retire or are going on a tour, typically they get a huge push afterwards. And I believe Viano 3 got a fairly decent-sized babyface push after this. And he had been a little rudo, more or less. Uh, I'm hoping a lot of people start to see this match. And, like, in the future, we see more lucha like this coming to the U.S. for two reasons. One, the super high-spot-oriented lucha is ruining careers. Guys get hurt all the time because they're trying to be Rey Mysterio, because they're trying to be uh, Psychosis, Ultimo Dragon, any of these guys. Uh, Phoenix, uh, who is doing spectacular stuff. Pretty much anyone in Lucha Underground are doing these spectacularly high spots and taking huge toll on their body. Uh, Ricochet, a wrestler I adore and think is one of the best things in wrestling today. I can't see him lasting, you know, till he's 35. Because that style just wears you down. When you compare it with someone like uh, Apollo Crews, uh, the former UHA Nation, he works a fast and a flying style, but it is as a punctuation to a more traditional, less high-spot-oriented style. And that is really key if you can do that, you will actually end up not only prolonging your career, but you will be able to manipulate an audience better. If you can work a standard style, I'm not saying standard style, but a style that is not punishing of you, 
you can prolong your career, and you can actually work the audience better. A high spot works best as a punctuation, not as a sentence. So something like the These Days uh, 10-man match, which I consider to be one of the greatest matches of all time, uh, is high spot, high spot, high spot, but then there are points of punctuation. One great example is when Kai and Tai, uh, I think they grab Grand Naniwa, and they put him in their little uh, hold where they just basically stretch him open, and then they have Dick Togo go and do the big, uh, uh, most muscular on top of him. Uh, that's setting the table for another high spot. They understand the idea that you must set up spots. And that's really the key. That's missing in a lot of sort of this, I don't want to say second rate, but second tier Lucha. Um, things like, uh, to a degree, Lucha Underground. A lot of what they do is really good. Um, Chikara sometimes falls into that uh, trap. But, on the other hand, what you have in this match more than anything else, and I'm you know, you have crowd heat, you have drama. And they build it beautifully. The finisher is uh, basically what we consider the human torture rack here, uh, done by Atlantis. And the first time he has it on, the crowd goes insane. But it ends up not being the finish. And he puts it on again, and it is the finish. And they're just, boom. The crowd just explodes. It's incredible to watch. And even watching it on YouTube like I did this week, I was moved. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And that's one of the keys to Lucha Libre is it is getting in touch with an emotional experience. And they did it beautifully. Well, that is this edition. It's my birthday week, so there'll be more stuff here on Match of the Year podcast, on matchoftheyearpodcast.weebly.com. Feel free to drop me a line, journeyplanet at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time when we'll be talking about... Kenta Kobashi versus Samoa Joe.